0: I'm Maui Nui. Hey, this is Josh Porter and Jason Vercard. It is Solar Coaster time, episode one one five. Josh, go. The big
1: one, phase two RFP. This is the um, Jay just corrected me, but this is one of the largest single procurements of renewable energies from a U.S. utility ever. Did I did I did I adequately temper my superlatives, Jason?
0: <laughs> yeah, you're, you're you're excited about this, and rightly so. Um, I and mean, we've been screaming for now two years that we're not doing enough fast enough. Uh, and here, here it comes. We're finally kind of facing down the tidal wave of of renewable energies. this is what it's going to look like. Is it all cracked up, cracked up what it's cracked up to be or not? We're going to, we're certainly going to find out, uh, in this hour. Yeah. And folks, we're talking here
1: about a request for proposal that was issued, I believe on July 10th, the final draft, um, I guess, put through the PUC, issued by the utility, by HEI. This is for Oahu, Big Island, and Maui County. So all islands are impacted except KIUC for Kauai. And uh, it's pretty substantial. I mean, it's, it's an amazing amount of renewable energies. It's an amazing amount of um, of energy storage, uh, setting precedents on a lot of levels. Well, it's and we're it's gonna, an ask right now. <laughs> it's an, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure people are going to, our organizations, well, maybe, <laughs> maybe organizations are going to uh, comply or, or, or oblige them and, and bring about all these, these great projects into Hawaii. And the timeline is no uh, slouch either. We're talking about being fully active. There was a term GCOD. What does that mean? Generally... It was like available or delivered. I assume that's what that meant f- up through like 2025 at the end date or something. And really, really fast. Yeah. Tw-
0: first, first projects coming online in 2022 and then through 2025, but everything should be online 2025, and, and uh, which is, which is close. It's right around the corner.
1: Really close. And then a lot, and there's some complexity to this uh, folks. There's a lot here that's happening. There's different, uh, there's different uh, 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 scheduled bids. There's bids, different timelines and different rank priorities. And there's, battery only, and there's battery plus PV, and then there's uh, specific things happening for both Lanai and Molokai a little bit further down the road. And and then, of course, it doesn't really cover everything, even though it's so huge. I mean, we're still not talking about things like Motlaya, right? I don't think that's yeah, been covered in here yet, right? So pretty, uh, as far as I can see, uh, uh, pretty amazing. So we're going to ha- we have a lot to talk about. We actually have some great participants. Uh, former Energy Commissioner, Doug McLeod, longtime contributor and Friends of the Solar Coaster is present. You want to say hello, Doug?
2: Hey, folks, and uh, this is an interesting time, you know, as far as that RFP. And, you know, this is really different in a couple ways. I mean, compared to the last one, they're saying this can be wind, this can be anything. And they've made some changes in what they're asking for. So as as we go through it today, I think, uh, you know, people may be interested. And you talked about a, a fast timetable. They're asking for Maui Island that these proposals would be due October 22nd. So we're talking about people proposing major changes to the island in the next 90 days.
1: Right. Right. Very exciting. Doug actually has printout looking at he's looking at with notes on it. So he did his homework, saw him yesterday at Casanova's Upcountry, and he's like, I'm printing, I'm coming. So very good. Thank you, Doug. Not only do we have Doug here, but we also have a call in from... Eddie Park uh, calling in from Interjects, which is a, one of the phase one awardees. Is that a word? Awardees? Yeah. Uh, w- winning the um, the uh, the one of the bids that uh, is going in for up above Maui Meadows, below Kula. There are 15 megawatts there. Of course, there's a discussion about that going on now. And then one over in Oahu as well, and then one in Big Island. So Interjects has made quite an impact. Uh, Eddie's going to call in shortly, in about uh, five, 10 minutes. We're going to be able to talk to him about his perspectives on this. And, uh, and then later, in the hour, we actually have a call-in from Washington D.C. to get uh, the na- national perspective from SEPA, the Smart Electric Power Alliance. Jay, you want to say anything about those fellows?
0: Uh, they do a tremendous amount of research in, in all areas. They're, they're not a lobbyist organization. They're based in Washington, DC, but they're not those people. Uh, they really do, um, real, uh, research and sponsor projects. They try to encourage enough, um, cooperation and, uh, communication between utilities so that we're not all trying to reinvent the wheel that each each utility is kind of doing its its own thing. That's their mission. And, and they do a fantastic job of it.
1: Very good. And very briefly, they have, uh, since they have over the course of the last couple of years awarded our local utility, uh, uh, I believe Molokai received an award, and also KIUC received an award from SIPA for its Innovation. So it's we're, we're big on their radar. They're really excited to talk. It's gonna be Jen Zaro. Zaro, I, I'm gonna check her pronunciation. She she is the uh, VP of uh, Research and Education at SEPA. So we're gonna hear from her. Yep. Uh, and let's just jump through our, uh, our housekeeping and we'll get ready right to our news and events. and Take it from there, Jay. I thought okay? you'd never get there. Okay, okay go. <laughs> Hey folks, we have the Solar Coaster Renewable Energy Theme Talk Show right here in lovely Maui County. We can be found Fridays at 1 5 p.m. On Oil 1110 AM, also some FM stations, 96.7 FM Central Maui, 96.5 FM West Side, 98.7 FM country, and I am the Micro Machines guy.
0: <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> www.solarcoaster.com coastercom is where you can listen live, uh, check out our streaming, uh, all our previous shows are up there, you can fill out the mailing list form and or send us questions from there. Uh, we're also available on podcast networks, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn, all carry the solar coaster. This is a call-in show, 808 242 if you have any questions or comments about this. Go for it. And our sponsors
1: are Sundrum Solar, Pantech Design, and LG Chem. Let's head over to our Pantech Design Minute.
0: Welcome to the Pantech Design Minute. Today's topic smart HVAC controls. One of the largest consumers of electricity in the average home is air conditioning. How to use your climate control systems in the most efficient way, though, is not always obvious.
1: When no one is home, the normal thing to do is to turn off the air conditioning. But heat is energy, and cooling is just taking away that energy. That's what an air conditioner really does.
0: It just moves the heat out of your home. If you turn off the AC during the day, your house gets hot. And when you come home from work, your air conditioning needs to work extra hard to move all that energy back outside again. For most folks, this is unfortunately when the sun is just going down, and you won't be producing any more energy from your solar system. So your AC will either drain your home battery, or you'll need to buy power from the grid in order to run that AC at that time of day. Your solar system has charged your home battery already after a few hours of sunshine, but after completing the charge, it either exports at a reduced rate, or in the case of a CSS system, just shuts off, because there's nowhere to put the energy.
1: So knowing all this, what can we do? What if there was a system that knew when your battery was full, and could automatically use your excess solar energy for something useful? Pantech's
0: ADAPT system can do just that. ADAPT will intelligently monitor your energy production, weather reports in your area, and the health of your home battery, and make the appropriate choices automatically so you don't have to. Your electric bill goes down and your house is already cool when you get home. This has been the Pantech Design Minute.
1: Thank good, goodness for a Pantech design. Really excited to see some of the systems get installed here in Maui. Of course, we need in to kind of be a big part of Hawaii in the future. Uh, Jay, what are your thoughts?
0: Uh, you know smart home stuff is just going to become more ubiquitous as we go <laughs> and, and it makes it makes total sense now that we can finally get some batteries
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So looking forward to uh, those guys over at Sony kind of jumping in and Jean Baptiste and all those fellows Let's go to our news and events Jay
0: Absolutely, news and events. Uh, China is set to dominate concentrated solar power. Uh, I've been watching these 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 solar power towers uh, pop up all over the place again. Uh, the the one in Dubai, I think we were just talking about before the show, is, is absolutely a really huge one. And this is they're kind of interesting installations where you have a whole lot of PV surrounding this one central tower, and then a bunch of mirrors that actually focus on the top of the tower and they boil water like a traditional steam generator. Uh, to then create a lot of power create a lot a lot of electricity with that steam power So it's it's kind of a hybrid installation um, The article I we were looking at is is oil and from oilprice.com and it's and it's saying that China is is just going gangbusters now to um, They're they're offering roughly uh, 1815 megawatts of of uh, concentrated solar power um to 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 come online very very shortly and and with very little happening in other places in the world, the Dubai one being the exception, uh, it really puts them ahead of the game.
1: Yeah, there's a 155-page report about CSP globally that's, how, that, that's out there right now. The reason I, I, I put this in our news and events day is that I just think that I don't see, th- well, I thermal and CSP kind of take a backseat to
0: electric and, 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 and storage. I mean, and we're not seeing well, people, that here. Yeah, is there a reason people, for that, Doug? think about panels. Yeah, people think about panels and, of course, storage. Um, but the nice thing about this is that you can store a lot of the thermal energy you can store it in other ways as as actual heat, like within within a, a salt solution or or just just really really hot water, what and do you then what do you bleed think? it off when you when you need it. So the sun doesn't have to be shining on these installations all the time in order for them to create a much more kind of firm power are we
1: situation. gonna see a csp uh in this uh rfp uh doug uh not this style
2: in america i mean there's two there's two main styles <laughs> so one you have a, a fluid in a trough and that's being heated and and this style with the mirrors uh in america if you look online at ivan uh, you'll see some amazing footage of these birds just getting fried in these and well, that'll go over well it's, here that's the problem i mean is is that you know there's no way to do the concentrated beam without zapping whatever flies in that zone. And so in Dubai and places, they can go in as remote a desert as you want, and it's probably better. But still, uh, anywhere you can imagine here, I think we would have just enormous bird problems.
1: Um, So I guess we're not going to see that, but I do like to see what's going on with different technologies and different ways to meet these renewable energy goals, and that's, I guess, an example of one. Uh, Jay, we got Eddie Park on the line. Why don't we jump right over to what's going on in news and events in Hawaii. You want to pick one?
0: Sure, go for it. Okay. Um got Eddie? Is Eddie there? We're
1: gonna bring Eddie on right now.
0: Yeah.
1: Hey, Aloha Eddie. How you doing, sir?
3: Aloha. How are you guys doing, folks? I didn't want to jump in on that very interesting topic there. but uh,
1: (laughs) That's okay. We're excited. We we just kind of wanted to touch on based on some other ideas that were happening globally before we rounded uh, our way back to Hawaii and started to talk about the big news here. So how are things going out there for you folks at Interjects? Are you calling in from Vancouver?
3: No, I'm actually here in sunny San Diego.
1: Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So, Eddie, thank you so much for calling today. We got uh, uh, Doug McLeod, I believe you know that fella, and uh, in, in studio with us today, and then Jason uh, Vericardt as well. So, you know, we're, we're looking here at this RFP. We're going to go into our news and events, talk a little bit about um, one of the, the announcements about the RFP. Jay, you want to look at this one from PV Magazine? Nope. Nope.
0: I want. okay. we can do that first. Go right ahead.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, this basically is um, this is uh, out of PV magazine. They're talking about the the recent RFP. We just introduced it. It says Hawaii sets draft rules for wind, solar storage procurement. Uh, Hawaii Electric Company has released its draft request for proposals to procure just over two terawatt hours of renewable electricity and just over 200 megawatt of capacity services between 2022 and 2025. That's a mouthful, uh, Eddie and Doug. What does that mean?
2: Uh, if he wants to take a try at that in detail, I'm going to turn it over to him. I would just say that people have tried to approximate this in megawatts, and I've seen that 900 megawatt figure used, you know, for the generation side. So if, if you think that's valid and you think maybe stuff can be done for two bucks a watt in Hawaii – that's that's $1.8 billion worth of new renewables. So, yeah, that's an attention-getting number, if that's a valid way to kind of approximate right. the size of right. it. Right. And when you say generation, you mean basically solar panels or wind. In theory, this could be anything they're saying here, as long as it counts as renewable for the RPS in Hawaii. So, in theory, you know, it could be anything. But looking at right the prices in the market, you have to presume that solar is the leading candidate, you know, and maybe right. some wind. Okay, so this is, we're talking about multi-billion
1: dollar RFPs right now that are happening uh, to change our electric generation and storage and even distribution systems. We're going to probably talk about distribution a little bit too. Eddie, what are your thoughts on this? Coming in from a perspective as an organization that uh, won multiple bids in phase one, uh, Interjects, uh, a really uh, you know, substantial company with, with assets all around the globe, doing amazing things in renewable energies. What's going on in your, in your minds? What do you see here?
3: Yeah, I mean, these are fascinating times. Um, I mean, you've got to really applaud the utility and the PUC for, you know, leading this charge. I think, you know, Hawaii was the first state to set this 100% clean energy man- mandate, and I mean, we're we're absolutely thrilled to be part of the picture. Um, you know, we're still trying to digest what this what this really means. I mean, as Doug said, I mean, it's a substantial amount. Um, I think with, the, I guess, the short time frame that we're faced with, um, I think they're, You know, while exciting, I think there will be some significant challenges uh, to hit uh, some of those numbers as well.
1: Absolutely. Uh, When you I try to imagine what it's like for an organization like yours to to bid these types of projects. And there's a lot. I mean, there must be teams of people involved in this, right? Because you're working under a tight time frame. You've you really need to be able to not this this RFP itself is what, a thousand pages or something? (laughs)
3: <laughs> I think I went through uh, 1,200 pages of uh, documents here to, to go through, and I'm probably not even through half of it. So, so are you it's, yourself um, sitting
1: there reading it, taking notes, and like uh, up late at night going, i got to get through this thing? <laughs>
3: <laughs> is that what's happening? <laughs> I, I, I try to get through as much as I can, but, you know, we certainly have folks, um, you know, in, in our various teams, you know, the perm- permitting group, our engineering group, our you know, our, our um, um, just a- every facet of the company has to be involved in the process. I would say that um, you know this RFP uh, the requirements from the utility are very robust um, the expectations are very high and in just a short amount of time you know we're expected to pull together um, a lot of information and so um, I think you know this is uh, absolutely exciting you know we're we're up for the task but it's um, something that does require a significant uh, amount of resources and um, I think on, on everyone's part, you know, even for the utility to look at uh, procuring potentially 900 megawatts of projects, I can't even imagine how many uh, numbers of numbers of projects that's going to equal. I think in the last round uh, we were looking at um, a total of seven projects that were contracted, um, I believe, for two two to three hundred megawatts worth of projects, and this is three times that amount. So it's uh, it's going to be pretty interesting how this turns out.
1: Here's a, I, here's a question. We are still in our news and events. There's a couple of things going on uh, locally. And I want to just kind of take a pulse of this from you, fellas. We have this amazing thing happening at the utility scale. I think there's a tremendous potential at CNI Commercial Industrial that's out there that's kind of waiting to really uh, kind of take off. But when I'm, I'm reading an article also that, uh, from Pacific Business News, it's Marco Mangelsdorf. You probably know where I'm going to go with this. Right, Doug? Uh, and this is uh, from, let's see, July 11th. And, uh, you know, I just pulled this up because so I did my search on Solar Hawaii. Solar Maui, right? And we get 11% drop in residential permits across the board, right? Um, first Four of Hawaii's counties showed an 11% drop in solar permits across the board. And uh, Kauai actually had an increase. But so
0: Oahu, Big Island. Yeah, but Hawaii's permits are all battery, battery. like yeah. almost all battery added to existing systems.
1: Yeah, yeah. I saw that. Beth had mentioned, Beth Tokioka over there from p, uh, the, the public relations p- spokesperson had mentioned that there was maybe a, a bit of a, a pent up demand for batteries, and that may have. Uh, being the reason for for Kauai to have that surge but maui county yeah. is down 32 percent over 2018 and, and 2018 was down big time so um you know the question I, I guess the question that naturally emerges from the perspective of a guy who spent nine years in the residential solar trenches is you know where's the place for residential solar is it coming back do you have any thoughts on that also do, can utility scale can with all that massive land requirements that are here which is a big issue i think we're going to talk about uh is are we going to have to lean back on roof space in the future, to be able to meet these needs, just just throwing that out there, guys.
2: Yeah, I, I just want to say I think there's a the Maui numbers are really surprised. Oahu, you have this other issue where on Oahu you need a building permit, you know, rather than just an electrical permit. So those are going very slow for for that reason. But here, I just. All I can assume is that people have not gotten the word out about Nem Plus because that 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 is a very attractive program and. Did I hear that you did the first Nem Plus? I don't know that I did the first one. I I have one installed, but you I did. mean, yeah. Did you do it with batteries? No, actually, this one was done uh, with micro inverters that curtail. You used IQ7s. Yeah look at
1: you it's always Doug it's always I had I had people do
2: this for me believe me no this is not not me doing it but that's anyway great. Um, that's great. So, but, but we're off we're off on a tangent I think for all the news you got to cover I just wanted to say though that I think that the, the Maui number is troubling and and you guys maybe you feel in the biz that some of the companies that had been really big are kind of backing away from this market uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, but, but I'm just surprised by that Maui number. I too. think the industry does, got does certainly
0: see that way. And there's, there's <laughs> the, the biggest conversation I have is that nobody wants the giant solar farm in their backyard. Um, that they, they think it detracts from land value. Some people are concerned about magnetic, uh, waves, uh, electromagnetic waves. Um, realistically, if you don't, put solar on your roof then it's going to be in your backyard somewhere because we don't have that much land to go around you're going to see this kind of change so, and the the the, the 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 projects we've been talking about so far are small this is much much larger what we're, what we're looking at
1: yeah I, I mean for me i don't get it i mean for me I, I feel like you know what this is just such a blessing to have the opportunity for uh solar to be put into use and it's, and it's got it's moving very quickly which i guess is a a great but also a concern because there's got to be dual use aspects of the land there's got to be creative solutions out there to be able to honor the land you know and then also produce other types of revenue streams and and then put in solar at the same time but you know i mean there's also the issue of can we utilize our rooftop out there and will that make a difference that's kind of the thing that i'm trying to get my head around does it make a difference um eddie what do you think do you have a sense of how much you know we're, like, like doug had just mentioned if you believe in the 900 megawatt number um, do you, is that what you're looking at in totality of this, of this, uh, overall generation for the three, uh, three islands and five counties, or do you, how many, what I want to know really simply is how many solar panels? <laughs> <laughs>
3: I actually haven't equated that to the size of a project. I think, um, you know, when they initially come up with this RFP, it was really looking at a target number of megawatt hours. And it's really to be seen what mix of technologies they're going to have in this. And I think one point that Doug had brought up uh, earlier, it, is that in the previous round it was all solar but i think in this round we'll certainly see different types of technologies um and so what comes out of this will really depend on um you know what folks are looking at um in terms of you know anything innovative you can see some wind projects biomass um, it really opens the door for different okay. technology types and so i haven't really put it in the perspective of solar itself but i think you brought up a really good uh, point as far as um you know the challenges of reaching you know this hundred percent renewable energy mandate is, you know, it's not going to be all wind technology. It's not going to be all solar. Um, it's not all going to be utility-scale solar. There's got to be a, um, a balance of distributed energy generation, rooftop systems, um, commercial systems. Um, I mean, it's it's really, you, you've got to look at all aspects and all types of projects, I think, for us to realistically uh, get to that. Uh, get
1: to that number. So, uh, Eddie, I want to... Uh, uh, Jason said, hey, Josh, you didn't deal with Molokai and the load bank thing. Cause there was a, there was an article <laughs> that uh, was put out. We Now, we did a show on Molokai about a year ago, and there was an Correct. article that was put out just a couple days ago, I think on the 11th, maybe, uh, from Utility Dive. You know, and these are the guys, right? And July 17th, actually, just uh, day before yesterday. And they're talking about the functionality of this load bank. And basically, I know Jay wants to talk about it a bit here, but basically giving uh, providing a lot, of more, a lot more resilience for and then but but basically shedding a little bit of energy. Jay, do you want to put it in context?
0: yeah, absolutely so we, we saw this thing when we went to Molokai it's just a box uh, and it vents a whole lot of power into heat if the need is there if there's this over over generation so the, the Molokai grid because it has so much solar, you can imagine that it basically goes up and down all day with a little curve um, and then there's spikes when the sun comes out from behind a cloud and it just just... Starts blasting the grid with a whole lot of power. Um, they they're allowed to, to to kind of blow this heat off, blow this electricity off. Um, and the load bank because they can't go above a hundred percent. If you start if you go above a hundred percent, you start actually like melting wires and having problems, <laughs> blowing up equipment. Um, so they have to put this power somewhere. Um, if you can imagine what it, what happens, if, if, if you have to keep your solar production below that 100% threshold all the time, then those little peaks are the ones that you, you can't let go above 100%. But if you could actually let the peaks go above 100 you can raise that whole graph and add a whole lot more renewables that would run throughout the day at under 100%. But then when it spikes above 100 you would simply blow it off. And that's what the load bank kind of serves. The purpose it serves, it allows you to to lift your entire uh, grid production um, capability in in sacrifice of those little tiny peaks. And that makes so much more sense to me than when, when we first saw it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, no, it's great. And then there, I think we're going to see more innovation like that things maybe that we're not expecting uh, in the upcoming years here throughout Hawaii, ways to be able to incorporate all this renewable energies. Okay. So folks, let's see here. We got a couple more minutes before we, why don't we do this? Why don't we go to our commercial break? We'll come back. Gen is going to be on the line shortly with us. And then we will also walk through this RFP and the impact on each of the different islands step-by-step. Step, okay. LG is a leader in the home electronics industry and manufactures some of the most popular PV panels as well as many other appliances we've come to know and appreciate over the years. The same LG brand offers the LG Chem Resu battery line for your home energy storage needs. Here in Hawaii, their primary model is the LG 10H Resu with 9.3 kilowatt hours of usable capacity. The LG 10H Resu can be used both to maximize consumption of solar energy at home and also functions as a source of backup power in the event that the grid goes down. LG Chem has increased production of their battery line for Hawaii's renewable energy solar market. Contact your local solar provider to learn more about the LG Chem 10H Resu battery. Pantech Design is ushering the world into a new age of home energy automation through the convergence of smart home technologies and renewable energy management. Unifying solar energy production, intelligent energy storage, and smart breaker technologies with smart home devices, Pantech Design's complete home energy automation suite incorporates unprecedented control of lighting, shades, climate, security, hot water, electric vehicle charging, and many other systems. Contact Pantech today at pantechdesign.com. All right, those were our wonderful sponsors, keeping the solar coaster on air. So we still have Eddie Park on the line, and we're going to get a call in from Jen Zaro soon from SIPA. Doug and I were just talking about some of the, looks like there it is. Doug and I were talking about some of the kind of core, kind of surprising points of this RFP. What were some of the ones you wanted to touch base on, uh, Doug?
2: I think that in terms of storage, one of the things that's really interesting is that all proposers, uh, and I'm just reading it, may not propose any degradation in storage capacity or storage efficiency. And that's for the entire 20-year period. So that's going to require an awful lot of planning, you know, on the part of the storage people. And then on the generation side, there are a couple points people should be aware of. The first is that there's a minimum size of five megawatts. And that the second is that they've set a a rule that you can't have a single point of failure that would result in more than 21 sorry more than 20 megawatts going off the grid so though and then the final thing is they're saying there have to be a minimum of two transmission lines for each project and they have to tie into the 69 kv which is what we're calling high voltage here on maui so you have a certain design here has to be minimum five megawatts has to be close to a 69 kv line has to have a minimum of two transmission lines and philosophically we're saying that you know this this point of failure issue is going to be based on 20 megawatts
1: okay there's a lot there i haven't the slightest idea as to how to tackle that <laughs> but i know that we got a caller here from dc and we might have to say that again doug so hold on to it. okay um when are we um when we uh is, is jen there hi jen this is uh the solar coast you can hear us okay
4: yeah can you hear me
1: we sure can thank you so much for calling in are you calling in from dc
4: I'm actually in our Florida office, so I'm down in the Sunshine State.
1: Okay. And then, Jen, you are the, correct me if I'm wrong here, is it Zaro? Did I pronounce that
4: correctly? Zaro. Yep. Zaro. You got it.
1: And you are the VP of Research and Education, if I recall correctly, from CEPA, the Smart Electric Power Alliance? That's right. Got it. All right. Fantastic. So, well, Jen, thank you very much for calling in last minute. I literally reached out to you phone folks uh, yesterday. And I think uh, Jordan had helped kind of connect us in together. So have you been from from a from a national perspective? By the way, we have Eddie Park of Interjects uh, online with us. You want to say hello, Eddie? Aloha. Hey, Eddie. How you doing? <laughs> there he is. And he's putting together some great projects out here. We've got Doug McLeod, former uh, Energy Commissioner, and Jason Vericart, my co-host, and we're all here talking about this really exciting kind of time where this new Phase Two RFP has been uh, announced, and we're all getting our heads around it. Um, our, what's the 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 perspective from from DC or from Florida or from SEPA? I mean, you guys are really into this stuff. Have any any jump out at you right away? Are you are you guys following this?
4: We are, yeah. I mean, just the scale of it is really exciting. Um, and also some of what they've put into the RFP, the draft RFP. I mean, it's, it's really creative in how they are trying to build in flexibility for the solution providers. So we're excited to see how this really plays out. Um, you know, we look at the state of Hawaii as, you know, being on the bleeding edge, whether they like it or not. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, you know, and and they, they've they kind of had to move the fastest, um, you know, other than California, that's where we're seeing kind of the most creative solutions come out of sometimes painful experiences. But, you know, I feel like Hawaii and HECO specifically, Hawaiian Electric's really learning from their pain. And, you know, what I see in this RFP language really reflects that. So it's a little more creative, you know, out of the box, Um thinking about holistically how to solve these problems that they've got to hit that 100% renewable energy goal.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for that. And then let me ask you something from your perspective seeing uh, RFPs across the country. Uh, how does this rank in terms of size, scale? I mean, is this uh, is this one of the larger ones you've seen? Is it the largest one you've seen? Is it does it even rank in the top 10?
4: It is one of the larger ones we've seen, you know, and it, it's more than that, too, because it's it's one of the most, I would say, creative ones we've seen. So it, it's really asking sort of the right questions for the right solutions that, you know, they're trying to solve the problems, to me, in, in a nice way, working with the industry and not um, over, you know, um, directing what is to be provided. I mean, they've given some constraints, which I think you have to do based on what's happening on the system. Um, but I feel like it's it's allowing for some creativity in the market, and that's where you start to see the big wins and, and cost savings. This is this provider.
1: is interesting because I kind of feel like I've got Jen on the left side of my shoulder as the angel, and I got Doug <laughs> over here as the devil. And you guys are yeah. both kind of yeah, no,
3: you're asking the hard feeling. questions. I'm
2: not calling you a devil, Doug. I'm just saying. <laughs> but, but no, I think I think you're right on the storage side. I think they're being very clever about the tax credit and some of these things on the percentage you'll be supplying to the grid. And and you know on the storage side, I think this is really clever. I think that. If people want to quibble, it's really going to be on the generation side and, and some of the issues there.
1: So we're going to just keep this open as a form. We got Eddie, we got Doug, we got Jen, we got, you know, Jay and me. So again, a lot of great kind of uh, uh, perspectives and ideas here and experience. So let's walk through some of the kind of core characteristics of this RFP and just jump in, folks, if you have any ideas or questions. And don't be shy, OK, please. <laughs> so, um, what, I mean, Doug, do you want to you want to cover some of those core concerns that you brought up before and jump on one
2: of those or? Well, I I guess one thing that comes up is this notion of a point of failure. And, you know, to try to make that understandable to people, we had all these big fights about inter-island cables a few years ago. Right. And you immediately understand single point of failure when you think about inter-island cable, right? Any snip anywhere and you'd lose all that power. So the way they've designed this, they've said that you cannot have a single point of failure that would lose more than 20 megawatts. And it's more a down-the-road issue in a lot of ways, but, you know, these guys still have in their plans offshore wind, things like that. So if we're going to have any kind of level playing field, you know, we're, and, and we're going to say that, you know, 20 megawatt chunks require independent... So we're talking about independent
1: transmission lines based on that 20 megawatt limit, that's what you're talking about, right? So part of this RFP is actually redoing transmission to accommodate that requirement?
2: You're going to connect to their 69 kV, which is what, again, for them, the high-voltage system, and you have to have on each project a minimum of two transmission lines. So it's going to be, yeah, a lot of lines. When we think about visual impact... You know, you could do 100 megawatts yeah. of solar and have it look a lot different. So these are choices that are being made, and I'm just highlighting it. You know, if people want to talk about, you know, what's – you know, these are philosophical things. I mean, one of our wind farms is 30 megawatts. If it goes offline right now, it's 30 megawatts off. But we've made a choice here, you know, 20. So, Right. Eddie,
1: Jen, anything uh, that's that spark any concerns for you? Uh, I was just going mean, to
3: uh, add to that. And, oh, go, ahead. Oh, go ahead, Jen. I
4: was just going to say, I mean, I think – this is some of the challenge of designing the new grid of the future, though, right? You've, you've got to figure out um, what, it, what the design is going to look like that's going to ensure reliability for everybody, but also allow for these new technologies to get in there. And, um, you know, I think that's it's not – sometimes they're going to be cautious um, because they, they are still balancing that reliability concern. And so I think that's what you're seeing here in some of the language that I've read.
0: Absolutely. What do you think, well, Eddie? Some, some, something that I, I, I'm hearing and I'm, I'm not hearing more more to the point is, is where does VPP fit into this? It doesn't seem to at all.
1: <laughs> well, it's, does, this, does this address the VPP? I don't think it does. it does. We don't have any virtual power planting or aggregators inside of this RFP, do we, Doug?
2: It's not created that way. I guess maybe someone's super clever and they can try and do it, but it, but it's not really designed like that. It's designed. You could put in standalone, you know, presumably lithium ion, you know, but, but that'd be large. They were, yeah.
1: I mean, but to Jason's point, that would be a way to, uh, get you know, hyper redundancy. I mean, we were just on that. We've already, t- we've already uh-huh. talked about this, but we were meeting with Sonin's execs over in, in, in Vipoltz Reed. And they were talking about that amazing, uh, capability to move energy down from offshore wind from the north of Germany, all the way down to, uh, what France, right? And they did it via yeah. virtual power planting. And that's a case study they're just launching. They're just releasing
2: now. You guys just got to remember, though, that all of the VPP ideas on Maui are into the distribution system, the lower voltage lines. And this yeah. whole thing is going into 69 kV. So you're not going to be able to support the 69 kV line off of the lower voltage stuff.
1: Okay, so there's no VPP. Yeah, I mean, my, yeah. my
4: guess yeah, is, so basically this, is
2: not.
4: Yeah, this is really focused on sort of what I would call the big rocks, you know, the, the, the boulders. And then the DERs are going to come in, I think. Um, once you get some of these in place, my guess is they're going sense. to go back out, though, and start to, to look more closely at VPPs. They, they're going to have to.
1: Absol- to uh, yeah, goals. that makes sense. Hey, Eddie, what, were you going to say something earlier?
4: Yeah, I was going to
3: add that. Um, I mean, I think that's going to be one of the challenges going forward. I think in this RFP and also going, you know, in future, you know, as we get closer to 100% um, renewables is just the transmission infrastructure and the significant constraints that are on the system right now. And so I think one of the solutions that, you know, Doug had mentioned is is building a more robust transmission system, but that also introduces, you know, other concerns. And so I think that's going to be something that's being dealt with at the PUC as far as the integrated grid planning. Um, But I I think one of the major challenges is is even in this RFP will be dealing with some of those transmission constraints.
1: Okay, yeah, so that's that's an interesting point. So we gotta look at how that actually impacts. I mean, are we talking about the possibility of underground transmission? Is that something that could come up?
2: You know, if you talk to developers, they always say no in Hawaii because of cultural plus cost. But you look at what's happening across the country with wildfires, you're going to have to keep re-asking this question, right? Or right here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess, I mean, certainly here in the islands, but I also was thinking about California. You know, we're about to get into there. Yeah, wildfire season again. I was thinking about last
1: week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean,
4: it comes... It comes down to cost and risk, right? So sometimes you're going to have to spend the money to, to avoid taking those risks right
1: absolutely yeah okay so there's that's a really uh, core concern but there were some other ones though what were some of the other the big ones that you were talking about earlier
2: well we have one issue that's really specific to maui and of course this is an rfp for a number of, of islands um and, and i'm gonna have to talk about zoning so i'm gonna lose a lot of your audience right now i think That's all right
1: we'll get back to how people save money with renewables in a little bit
2: <laughs> <laughs> but but basically you know you have a minimum of five megawatts right so you'll have to decide for yourself how many acres does that equal You know, do you think that that with today's panels, that's four acres, five, and, you know, it depends how flat the ground is. There's a lot of variables. But basically, in Maui, if you're going to exceed 15 acres, you're going to trigger a permit for what we call a solar energy facility, and that is a special use permit. So the reason that matters is that there's an October 22 proposed deadline. And there's also a statement that you would need to have, if you're doing this on ag land, one of these permits and it has to be unappealable. So in practice, that means 45 days after a permit was out. So, you know, if people look at the planning department on Maui and, and you just look at past special use permits, you would not be confident that you could get this done by October.
1: So what is the motivation for creating that requirement inside of the RFP?
2: I don't have an answer. You know, the last uh, Energy Commissioner, Fred, made some written comments to the utility and, and highlighted this issue. And uh, so, you know, what well, we've got back, they've seen that comment, and uh, they didn't change it. So I assume that that's a conscious thing. I don't actually understand this approach. I mean, the, the Phase 1 RP was the usual way in the islands, and that's been you show land control through a written agreement with the landowner. But you don't have to show that you have all your permits yet because – permits should be based on the final size of the unit so anyway i mean this is this is you know what comes first but anyway we've talked enough about this for now but just you know what you'd see here is that if you can do five megawatts on less than 15 acres uh, then you can do it on maui with ag land but if you think you're going to need more than 15 acres it's hard to see how people are going to be able to propose projects on these big ranches got it okay I mean, so stuff,
3: there were a couple of um, there were a couple of new requirements uh, land-wise that were introduced in this one one was the special use permit which um i mean i, I agree I, I don't really understand that requirement um but the other two uh, one is you know to have to avoid tsunami evacuation zones mm-hmm. um and the other one was to avoid sea level rise exposure areas so i think those two uh make a lot of sense given given the risk factors um um, but again, there were definitely uh, a number of new requirements that were added that, um, you know, some good, some a little bit questionable.
1: Okay, so we, we definitely did a little bit of, uh, of geeking out there on the RFP with zoning, and that's helpful. We did a little bit of electrical geeking out. I think that's also helpful, too. Let's jump back to uh, stuff that I can understand a little more easily. And uh, For example, what, what, what is it going to look like on, we have basically Oahu, Maui, big Island I know big islands in flux a little bit there's some discussion about some variation in size based on the biogas facility and the uh, the biomass facility and then the uh, the the geothermal facility whether or not those two come back online is that right I think there's some variation from like 70, 70 megawatts to 444 megawatts or something yeah. Does that sound right
2: yeah I think that's right I mean whoho Nua, there's sort of legal challenges and the you know on the PGV it's a question of both uh, physically you know can they operate and you know, do they need another, th- there, there's an argument whether they need uh, any additional approval or not.
1: Okay, so the point is that Big Island has, uh, has some variation, and we're not really quite sure how large that system is going to be, right? Uh, but potentially the largest of the lot, right? Okay. And then, um, I mean, do you, one of the things, uh, we'll we'll double back to Maui later, right? Let's take a look at Oahu then. One of the things that I picked up at the Hawaii Energy Conference, a little nod to Doug here, right? Because you're the chair of the Hawaii Energy Conference, uh, was what DBED was doing uh, with projection mapping, looking at how many solar panels you could put on the island of Oahu physically, in terms of the just straight geography of that location with the amount of people that live there. Do you think that this RFP is going to start to push those limits already of available land?
2: In a sense, uh, the areas around the sixty-nine kV lines on Maui, and then I think they're one twenty, uh what was that, one twenty-six uh, or one thirty-six? Doubled that, uh, so sixty-nine kV doubled. Uh, anyway, the, I think their high voltage is, is doubled our a lot faster, Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Anyone who's physically going to be close, you can kind of draw these transmission lines, and there's going to be a certain zone around there. The farther you go away, the the, the bigger your issues on cost and visuals to to move it to the the high voltage line so yeah. do you
1: think that because what i what i gathered from the oahu conversation with dbed was that it was virtually my my take on this and just jump in and correct me if i'm completely wrong fellas uh and ladies uh is that it was nearly impossible to meet the uh complete needs of oahu with renewable energy with solar panels uh, given the available ge- geographic you know land land area right uh that offshore wind was almost a necessity do you think this is, is this already moving into offshore wind, do you think, in Oahu? Or is it, or is it possible?
2: You could see someone try to bid, but based on the timing, I guess uh, it would be Pretty impressive to think someone could get something operational by 2025 for offshore wind. You know that that might be tough.
3: Can anybody
1: give me a panel count on Oahu for this RFP? <laughs> <'Cause I'm> just, <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody give me one? Because I mean, is there a smart somebody that just can do that math real fast based on what they're reading? Because I don't know what it is yet. I asked like five people today. No one could give me a. Give me a second,
3: Josh. A okay.
1: Please. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.
4: That would be impressive. Still right there. <laughs> okay.
1: So uh, and then let's let's talk about the sizes. Doug, can you give us a little bit of a frame of reference in in some way on the different islands?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, again, people have done this in both in terms of megawatts. But I mean, you know, the actual pricing is more complicated than that you're getting paid for a bunch of different services that, you know, you're giving to the grid. So I I actually don't know, you know, how you shortcut the sizing here and and make it comprehensible other than to simulate, you know, megawatt sizing. It's tough.
1: Okay, so it's hard to, to actually kind of hone in on, on how many solar panels are going to be put in. That's tough to do. Well,
4: and I do think you have to also take into account that if you're adding, to, to your point, if you're adding these other services, you may not need as many solar panels, right? So mm-hmm. um, if you're combining your solution with something like storage or domain response and storage, um, things might start to look a little different. And I think they've allowed some flexibility in there for how you can do that. But it's, it's going to take... T- the earlier points on creativity and how you respond to
1: this. Okay. Well, let's talk about storage then. Let's talk, let's let's move away from generation and talk a little about storage because there there is an interesting component to this uh regarding the uh the the there's storage alone RFPs within that within this. Is that correct, Doug?
2: Yeah, so if you want to do a paired uh, offering on Maui, it needs to be uh, coupled with storage that's four hours at your maximum output, and then separately you can offer uh, a battery, or I guess we're saying battery, presuming it's just going to be battery, but a storage standalone project as well. That's right. Okay, and what I understand is that
1: s- that the land requirement for storage assets of that nature is not very demanding, uh, and that the um, the Maui Maui Electric's uh, land that's available can be used by any of the bidders, so that could potentially open up the bidding for a lot of different organizations around the world because they don't have to have land control for those particular RFPs. Is
2: that right? Yeah, if they're interested, there there definitely is a site being offered there uh, in, from utility for Maui. Now, not, not every island, you know, has the equivalent. But, yeah, if you're interested, you could come and you don't need a, the huge footprint. That's right, for the storage.
1: Okay, so that kind of diversifies who may participate in this. Okay, Eddie, any thoughts there?
3: Yep, um, I, I believe there was that one site I saw that was offered up for Maui, and I think, that, um, yeah, again, that was opened up to all bidders. So uh, presumably, you'll have multiple parties offering up their, um, you know, the best, the best, and uh, the best cost for, for that project. And I think there were a number of sites on the other islands that were being offered up as well. Um, so that, you know, that RFP will be, I believe, run in parallel to um, to the variable generation RFP. I think you had mentioned this before, but, I mean, it's really going to be, I think, five or six of these RFPs running in parallel with each other.
1: Wow. So, you know, we've, we've done a little bit of geeking out electrically, a little bit in terms of legality, land control, zoning. We've talked a little bit about, we tried to get a hold of how many panels. We can't, we abandoned that issue. Um, so one of the, here's the bottom line, I think, from the community's perspective. If, if in an environment where our permits are dropping, uh, residential solar is just not getting put in. Year over year, 20, 30% reductions, Maui County, right? Uh, in terms of residential solar. Um, people are going to want to know that they're saving money. People are going to want to know that this is going to uh, uh, this is all of this effort, all of this money, all of this activity is going to you know, bring us to a place five years down the road where we're not spending 30, 35 cents, 40 cents a kilowatt hour on energy, which is happening right now at this moment throughout Maui County alone. Right. If you look at like Lanai, I think there's some numbers like that. So um, how do, what do you what do you, can is anyone prepared to say, yeah, this is what it's going to look like five years down the road and people are going to save money?
3: I think one, I think one thing of could, the major drivers, uh, if I could just chime in real yeah, quick please. on that one, is is the, the expiration of the tax credits. And I think the major push that HECO uh, that is making, you know, also with the um, the blessing of the PUC is let's get in as many projects that can maximize the tax credits, bring in lower costs to these projects. Um, and what was demonstrated in the first round was, um, uh, you know, these projects came in at historical low, low prices, um, you know, far below what... Um, the equivalent generation for fossil fuel uh, from a fossil fuel would be, uh, or fossil fuel plant would be, and so the the other directive from right. the PUC was, hey, Eco, um, you know, can you demonstrate to us, you know, what the cost savings will be to ratepayers, you know, with these projects added? And I think the real exciting part of of these RFPs right now and what's going on is, you know, not only are we talking about clean energy, but we're also talking about projects that are uh, bringing down, the, you know, rate rates for ratepayers and. Um, I, I believe just on Maui alone in the, in the last round, uh, with the two projects uh, coming online in 2022, uh, just in year one alone, every rate was going to see about a $200 uh, drop in, in their energy rate. And so that's just based on two projects. So um, really? I think it's, uh, you know, again, these are fascinating times where the cost of um, not only solar, but the battery storage has gotten to a point where you could actually, you know, go uh, with fully renewable Mysterious. and bring down um, the cost it, it for repairs.
1: Doug, Eddie, thank you so much for that. Uh, Doug's looking at the ceiling, calculating, rolling his eyes around and he's in approval, I think, <laughs>
2: Doug. Yeah, no, no, I, I mean, I, I think that's right on, on, on phase one. One thing people should know, though, it, that really is, I think, uh, interesting here is that you are absolutely prohibited from raising your price on any bid you make here. So, and I don't just mean from the time, of it, I mean, throughout the 20 years, it, it, the no escalation is allowed. So, so once that's your model, you know, it is hard not to save people money, um so I think that the no full, escalator. Yeah. So in other words, this price will be the same thing ten years from now, fifteen years from now, and so as long as you think there's inflation out there in the world at any level, right. uh, this is going to be a better and better deal for the people on Maui. And right. so you know, right now, you know what Ada's was talking about is at at a time of say fifty to sixty dollar oil you know, these prices came in and were lower than Miko's cost of generation in the last round. So unless you see the world as $20 oil, You know, I think these will save real money. Um, But when you're comparing solar, right, to something with fuel, you've just got to make assumptions about what the fuel costs are going to be over the life of the unit.
1: Well, I think historically, uh, I think we're at 5.8% inflationary cost of electricity, something like that. So if if that's accurate, then we're going to be saving that as we move forward. It's just going to, if it continues in that basic curve. But I don't know if anyone here has a sense of what oil is going to do over the next 20 years, <laughs> but, uh, but it certainly looks like there's opportunities for savings. So that's a really good thing. I think people in the community are going to be clearly happy about that, right. About the prospect that is likely they'll be saving money. Uh, and then that's only from, I think Eddie said just two projects had that type of an impact on people's bill. You're saying annually your average residential rate payer or our payer would save $200 Did I hear you correctly, Eddie.
3: That that was uh that, that was our calculation correct i think that was estimated
1: by itself. that's amazing that's a big deal it, i think that's a big deal
2: it, it, yeah, well, yeah i think so too i mean you know people have this thing where the wind farms people some people have felt that they kind of over promised and under under delivered on savings and you know without escalators it's hard for these things not to save us money. So the PUC
1: and the utility and the and the and the bidding the bidding organizations and everybody involved here is actually on a quest to save Maui, Oahu, Big Island, Lanai, Molokai uh, ratepayers money. That's what's happening here in in one part, right? <laughs>
2: And you know they have a provision here that says if you don't go after the tax credits efficient you know aggressively that they will impose liquidated damages on you, Whoa. which I thought was an interesting <laughs> one as well. So yeah, you do get a sense that there is an effort here to try to save money for the ratepayer. That's fantastic. Okay, well we didn't get
1: what's 154. We got a few minutes left here, folks. And if you have anything you really want to get out before we finish, just jump in and and don't don't hesitate. But I want to ask you this: What about the GHG conversation? What about our our reduction in our? There's some requirements inside of the RFP about GHGs and about reporting to that. Does anybody have any thoughts on that?
2: Doug? Yeah, this is the first time it's really been put on the IPPs to do the analysis, and so it's clearly in response to the recent Hawaii Supreme Court decision. I, I guess the tricky part is there's no guidance from the utility. You know, when we think about.